This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Smart Money Podcast, a series of financial tips for different life stages. Get your money right for your life. This podcast is brought to you by Discovery. I am Maya Fisher-French, and each week we chat to a money expert or experts to find the answers to those pressing financial questions. I often read articles that interview older people about what they wish they had done differently or advice to their younger selves, and every time it includes something about wishing they had saved more and spent less. The thing is, that's very easy to say in retrospect when you've done all the spending. <laughs> but how do we change our mindsets when we're still young? How do we learn to value money enough to invest in it? So in studio today, we have financial advisor Grant Wills, who's been convincing young professionals to look after their money for the last 10 years. And we also have Mavis um, Uriki, an international behavior specialist and author of Managing Emotions for Financial Freedom. Welcome, Grant and Mavis. Um, Grant, let's just start off with getting a little bit personal here. Okay, you still kind of fit into the millennial range yourself. So I'm going to ask you, do you think you've got the balance right? Or are there any decisions you regret? Well, Maya, as a young professional, I really struggled with the concept. I found myself earning a lot of money at a very young age and uh, this at the same time being heavily influenced with society's idea of what it means to be successful and wealthy. For example, spending money recklessly buying expensive brands in a flashy car. Okay, so so you're kind of fitting in this kind of concept we all have of the poor millennial who's always maligned. Mavis, do you think that's true? Is that what you, you kind of see quite typically, this age that, group? That's really typical because the money mindset is actually developed by other people. It's developed by TV, so it's developed by what you see on social media of what success really looks like. So they haven't actually had an opportunity to self-determine and decide what does success really look like for me? What financial values do I want to live by and by what age do I want to be financially free and what do I need to do in this moment so that by that age I'm actually financially free. So it's actually a self-awareness building process that they must engage in but unfortunately most people are not actually exposed to that so they don't actually know they need to do that. So we're allowing I hear what you're saying, it's such an interesting concept, we're allowing Advertising in yep. a sense to determine our, our value system. And, you know, I was busy listening to you thinking about, um, probably my biggest financial regret was going off having, I had a second child and we went off and bought a big house with a big mortgage and massive running costs because I had this picture in my head of my children running around in this garden and this big family. And I had, a, had this massive picture. And the reality was that the kids actually didn't play in the garden that much. They actually Hated the house because it was too big. They wanted to be near me all the time. Mm. And it just, it was just a financial nightmare to keep going. Mm. And then I read an article by a psychologist who said we tend to spend money on pictures in our heads of what mm. we want our life or think, that's the word, mm. think our lives should look like rather than the reality of what we want. And I mean, Mavis, that's really what, what you're saying. So what happens with money is that we, during our formative years, we experience what I call emotional debt. You first have financial, um, you know, experience when you're young, how your parents dealt with money or whether you asked for money and your parents said we don't have or whether you lived in a smaller house. So it becomes a debt for you that you think when I grow up, I'm going to have that big house. So you're now building a mental picture. That's a mental representation of your unmet need in your childhood. And that is your emotional debt. So we now begin to use money to try and pay off or to try and meet that fantasy in our head of what it is that could possibly meet that which is unmet in our childhood. 
it's really going back and being introspective about what is what are you trying to do with these purchases? So, so Grant, I mean, going back to you, you know, you spoke about the flashy car, all of this. Does this resonate with you a little bit about the emotional debt versus the financial debt, and and what changed? What or has it changed? <laughs> Absolutely, Maya. So uh, it took me some years to come to the realization. Uh, that I'm not even practicing the principles of saving and investing that I've been teaching my clients about. So at one point, um, I woke up in a pool of debt. However, my I don't regret the decisions that I've made uh, because it really gave me first-hand experience of how a lack of financial planning can affect you. So you've walked, you, you, you kind of, what I'm hearing from you is that you're saying you woke up one day and realized you weren't, Walking the talk. You Absolutely. weren't walking the value system yes. that you were imparting upon your clients. Absolutely. Now, Mavis, what happens when we don't live our value system? So, very interesting. When we are out of alignment with who we are or our value system, obviously, we're going to find ourselves in debt. Okay? That's a symptom. So, I always say, you know, when you find yourself in debt, it's, it's a symptom. It's feedback. It's telling you what you're not doing or that you're out of alignment with who you really are. So, also, even financial um, you know, I mean, your health, your personal health. We've seen lately there's an increase in mental illnesses. There's an increase in ailments. People are financially stressed. I was speaking at a conference recently where I said financial distress is the main reason why people call them for help, which is very interesting. So people are financially stressed because they are living out of their own value system. In fact, they haven't actually consciously decided or consciously reflected on what their financial values are so that they can leave them out. And that's interesting. I mean, Grant, you, you know, you spoke about that, um, that stage of your life when you were buying things. Why? I mean, you said you, you, you realized when you were speaking to your clients that you weren't, weren't, you know, living your value system. But now, if I had to reflect back or you have to reflect back and listening to what Mavis says, what, what do you see your value system as? Because we talk, we, we, we bind the value system of the advertisers and mm. not our own. Did you ever have a proper reflection about that? I just realized that. All of this really wasn't making me happy, and all I really wanted was financial security. You know, it's interesting because I was I was reading an article recently um, where research showed that spending money on experiences, you know, you were talking about the, the fast car or the flashy clothes that make you happy, and apparently spending money on experiences makes us far happier than spending money on objects. But we often miscalculate the happiness value. So we think, for example, I could go on an overseas holiday, but that just lasts two weeks, where a, um, a couch that I buy will last me 10 years. But actually, we derive more happiness from the holiday. So maybe, maybe take us through the psychological aspect of, of that happiness quotient. Okay, so our, emotion, our emotions determine the memories we end up with. Now, you can get a boost of buying a couch now, but things have got a faster diminishing value than experience. So with experience, your memories are actually, you know, you remember more your experiences, things that you have done with other people, connections at an emotional level. Because remember, we are head animals. We are created for connection. So your your couch, you can't really connect with a couch. Connect with a couch. You actually can connect with someone on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> so you will have a memory of that someone, not of the couch. <laughs> So I think that, that um, you know, emotions are really what create memories. So it's the emotional experiences. If you go on holiday, you've got more emotional experiences than buying a couch. And you so can almost ca- draw down on those over time. Yes. Okay, that's Yes, and you can always replay it. Mm, and you replay can't it. replay having your couch delivered to your mm, house. No, you're quite right. It's <laughs> yeah. actually very true, Grant. <laughs> yeah. In travel, I mean, is that, is that something you enjoy? Absolutely. From a, a personal experience, uh, traveling definitely has a high happiness value. 
Um, I've been fortunate enough to travel to many countries around the world and uh, experience different cultures and food, uh, a way of living. And um, I believe that traveling in a way makes you richer, not monetary, but in terms of richer as a person. So traveling gives you perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the excitement of buying a, um, an object on the other end is short-lived. And, I, and even though the item may last a few more years, um, it creates no lasting memories. Okay, so traveling's great. I'm a big, it's like my bucket list full of traveling stuff. But um, Grant, you know, if you're having to take out your credit card and you're funding all of this on loans, you know, traveling is <laughs> not such a good idea. So how does one fit this in? You're a young professional. How do you fit in the experience side into your budget? Uh, this must fall part of your uh, financial plan. It's quite important. And this is how, you know, I fit this in. So you, you'll you actually put that as part of an item on your absolutely on your financial plan. Because, you know, one of the other things that we read about um, with the sort of millennials or the Generation Z and all these other names that we're giving, <laughs> giving every generation that comes along, is that there's supposedly this shift away from consumerism. So there's they're not owning stuff they're renting stuff so this is the uber economy this is the airbnb music streaming um, i've even read about renting clothes apparently you can actually literally you know rent yeah. like jimmy Choo shoes mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. i mean grant are you seeing this coming through and and do you believe this do you think this is an anti-consumerist move yes well my interpretation of consumerism is that it forces you into some level of commitment so for instance uh, if you were to buy a car I'm now automatically forced into a four-year-plus commitment where Generation Z um, or Z uh, are synonymous with instant gratification and a lack of commitment. Um, calling an Uber, for example, doesn't take much thought and effort. And, effort, and uh, in a similar way, there's a lack of thought put into their financial decisions as well. So you're thinking that this, this lack of consu- this, this idea of renting is really just a complete and utter aversion to commitment, Mavis? I really think it's an extreme side of consumerism because there you want it. You want instant gratification. It's not as if you are evading it. You're not running away from it. You're still indulging. You still want the car. You still want the, 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 the clothes, the fancy clothes. So it's not like you're stopping from doing it. For me, it's the highest, highest level of lack of discipline. So okay. I want it now and I want it here and now. And I don't want the commitment and I don't want to build because commitment is about building. So if you don't want to build, you're saying, I want it, but I don't want the, the discipline and the pain that comes with building. Mm. So for me, it's an extreme, 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 you know. So you're not buying into this idea that this is this wonderful idea that we rent and we move and we're flexible. You're saying, hold on, guys, you're just scared of commitment. You are just scared of, in fact, you're scared of pain. You are scared of financial discipline. You're scared of financial discipline. Yeah. Oh, that's very, very Because it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's what we're also seeing this is, is in terms of not owning property, uh, not renting. But perhaps this also is, is an issue where we, because we're now no longer saving towards an asset. Absolutely. So, uh, Maya, what I see is that uh, property definitely is a trend with the affluent market. But speaking, f- um, using myself as an example, as a young professional, it was not trendy to invest in property just yet. So I entered into the rental market and um, it was until fairly recent that I came to the realization that my seven plus years of renting was actually the equivalent of um, being halfway or, you know, halfway through my bond. And then uh, I decided to channel my money into property as well. And, uh, and now I'm building 
my own home. Yeah. And I suppose even if you decide you don't really want to move into property, if you're not sure if you're going to be living there for very long or you may need still some flexibility, but at some point you still need to be building up some assets. So whether that's investing um, and saving, but I think it's this idea where there's no, there's absolutely no anchor at all. It's just, absolutely. it's just money coming in and money going out and, 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 Feeling all very happy that you've got this flexibility, but you're actually not pinning down on those, um, on those assets. We've kind of ascertained that, you know, maybe this idea of, of spending or renting, um, not owning is, is not building up asset wealth. But Grant, go back, think about that younger person that you were. What do you now tell a young professional, somebody in their mid twenties sitting in front of you? How do you get them to change their mind? Okay, so what I find, Maya, is that uh, generally the younger generation um, does not see the need to save for a rainy day. Um, so getting my younger clients to commit to an investment or saving uh, tends to be quite difficult. So the trend I see is that once they're married and expecting kids, then only do they realize that they've wasted so much time. And uh, this is what I like to call obviously being in catch-up mode. Uh, now instead of investing 500 rand for 10 years, uh, we're investing 1,000 rand for five years. And if only you'd started that five years earlier, you could have started with the 500 rand and actually probably have more money than you would have with the 1,000. So maybe this is a psychological issue. But you have Grant here. Grant can show them the spreadsheets. It doesn't necessarily change their mind. So if, they, if we've got young people listening, what should they be thinking about? How should they be getting that mindset to change? Okay. So for me, if you're a young person, the start off point when you earn your first salary or before you even get to earn your first salary, determine what kind of legacy you want to leave behind. Determine your financial vision. Determine your financial freedom number. So if you Sorry, wanted to, be, to stop your financial freedom numbers, that yes. been, what does that mean? So financial freedom number is um, an amount of money you need to serve either in an asset generating um, 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 product for you to be able to uh, be free, to, to be able to live the life you're living now without working. Mm, okay. So okay. how you calculate that financial freedom number, you can look at perhaps your monthly expenses. For, so for us, we've been working for ever. You look at your <laughs> monthly, <the> <laughs> you look at your monthly bill, which is, for example, I'll give you an example. So say your monthly bill, your monthly total expenses are 28,000. You multiply that by 12 and you divide that by 0.08. So if you were using 28,000, you would get 4.2 million as your financial freedom number. Okay. What that okay. means is that that's the m- amount you need to build so that you can become financially free. So if you didn't have to work, you would still be able to live the same lifestyle mm-hmm. you are living mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And now you have that bigger number. It becomes a goal. Okay. So it becomes your goal. And then you do what we call reverse engineering. What do I need to do yearly? What do I need to do maybe five years from now? What do I need to do quarterly? What do I need to do monthly? So you now have a goal that you're working towards because the majority of the young people, they don't have a goal they're working towards. So they get money, they think it's all for spending. And I think you and I can also relate to that. When we started working, nobody had a conversation with us around money. So our level of awareness around money was low. It was, okay, go work, earn the money, spend it. But you didn't I realize. Deserve yeah, I, I so deserve hard. it. I worked so hard. Oh, let me buy all the things that I thought I never heard mm. before. I never had shoes. I never had these clothes. Now I have it. I never have this life. I mean, like this hairstyle. Oh, my car. Let me go and get this car. So it's an image thing. You're trying to, you know, try and, you know, overcompensate for the things you never had when you're younger. But the thing is, you're going to get to a day when you're older and you look back and realize that you shouldn't have actually spent your money where you spend it. 
Because I think what's interesting, this idea of this financial freedom number, Mm. because I think in a sense, you get your first salary check and you now think you're financially free because you no longer have to ask your parents for money. Yeah. You never have to. (laughs) Now you can spend your money on whatever you want to. Mm. And we've got to replace that thought. Mm. That's not financial freedom. Financial financial freedom freedom. is when money hits your bank account every month and you're not having to work for it. Yeah. That's financial freedom. And so we have to start changing perhaps what we think of as as financial freedom. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I've had such wonderful insights today. Um, again, I wish we could all just go back in a time machine and do the things differently. Um, so for the young people who are earning their first paychecks, please listen to this podcast um, and trust us. We know we've been there. <laughs> so thank you to Grant and Mavis for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Maya. Please join us for our next episode when we will discuss that next major life change, money and marriage. You've been listening to Smart Money, brought to you by Discovery. Get your money right for your life. This is CliffCentral.com.